we are looking at the title today, Are We a Good Example or Are We an Example of Good Behavior? As we think about our life this morning, would we want people to behaving like we do? Would we want to put ourselves out there and say that we're an example to people around us, whether it's in our family, our homes, our marriages, our children, grandchildren, uh, uh, work, at school, wherever we go, are we that good example? Are we showing the people that we have a good behavior because of our example and the way that we live day in and day out? And so we want to take a look at a couple of men this morning in the Bible and see what God was saying about them and their example, about their good behavior, and just see how that applies to our life. And so we begin in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. We come right into the middle of where God is talking about uh, going to flood the earth and, and do away with mankind. And he said, but... I found my favor with Noah. I found favor with Noah because he's this righteous, blameless uh, man who walks with me. And so I'm just going to start all over, basically, is what he was saying, with mankind. Let the world be flooded. Let everything be destroyed. But through Noah, things would be starting over once again. Why? Because of who, how he lived. Why? Because of his example. He was a righteous man. The word righteous simply means lawful in our conduct, meaning we obey the laws. We go out into the world in which we go out into every day, and we simply obey laws. We look at the laws, what they are. We might not agree with them. We, we might not like them, but we simply obey the laws, and that's what Noah did. He obeyed the law of his day, but also righteous in our character, not just that we obey the law, but we do the right things. We just pick and choose the right thing to do every day in our decision-making, in our choices. We are righteous in our character, but Noah was also said to be blameless among the people of his time, that he was, he was complete and he was upright in truth. Uh, Noah would speak the truth. He would always use the truth. He would speak it, apply it to his life. He was upright in all that he did through truth, but he also was dealing with facts. He would also look at the facts, say, this is right, this is wrong, here's the facts, not an opinion, not thoughts, not what I think or feel, but simply dealing with the facts. He was blameless. But it also says he walked with God. Walking with God means as you go in and come out, as you're going through the day, the coming and going of your day. And a lot of times you may look at your week behind you and say, you ought to have been with me for the week. You talk about coming and going, you know, and you could look at your life and say, we were coming and going every single day, going here, coming there, and all these sort of things. Well, that's walking with God when we do that. No matter where we go, Whatever we get encounter, involved with, wherever we end up in our day's time, we're walking with God. We're coming and going, walking with him. Well, that's who Noah was. That's the account of him. Righteous man, blameless man, walking with God. And so as a result, as a result of Noah living that way already, knowing that he was this righteous, blameless man that walked with God, God said, you know what? I choose you, Noah, and I want to speak through you and speak to you and let you know what I'm going to do. And he told them, I want you to build me an ark. And in that ark, I want you to make it. And he gave the dimensions of it, 450 feet long, a football field and a half long, uh, 75 feet wide, half the distance across the width of a football field, 45 feet high, four and a half stories high, make three levels. And he told them all how to do exactly how to build this ark. And so as he's telling Noah to do this, he's telling Noah and nobody else in the whole world did he tell this to but him, why? Because he's a righteous man. Why? Because he's a blameless man. Why? Because he walked with God. 
And so as he got through telling Noah all those things about how to build this ark, what, to, what it's going to look like, the dimensions of it, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Whatever God told him to do about building this ark, the dimensions of it, the size of it, and everything in it, Noah did it. Why? Because he's a righteous man. Why? Because he's a blameless man. Why? Because he walked with God. And so what we need to make sure we understand here as we go further, not just about him but about us, Noah did not do everything God commanded him to do so he'd be in a right relationship with God. And sometimes we get that turned around a little bit. We say, okay, God, if I do everything you want me to do today, I'm going to do this and do that. I've read your word. and You said do this and do that. Then I'll be in a right relationship with you, one of God, because I'll please you today, and I'll do everything you want me to do today, and so I'll please you, and this will make our relationship good. Noah didn't do that, you see. Noah was already in a right relationship with God, so Noah did everything God commanded him to do because he's already in this right relationship with him. And that's how it is with us. See, as we're walking with God through the day and are coming and going through the day, God begins to speak to their heart because we're walking with him, we're blameless, we're righteous, we're living in the right kind of way with him, our character's right, our behavior's right. And then God begins to speak to us as, well, I need you to do this over here, and I need you to do that over there, and I need you to go that way, and then I need you to go this way. And we begin to go those ways, not because we're trying to please God, not because we're trying to get in the right relationship with God, but because we're already in the right, right relationship with God, then we're pleasing him by being obedient to him. And it's just a matter of walking through the day with him in that right relationship because the day started in a right relationship with him. We were already pleasing to him when the day began. And so as we go through the day, we're pleasing him because we're in the right relationship. Not to get there, but we're already there. And that's where it was with Moses. He started out, this is the account of... Uh, keep saying Moses, don't I? Yeah. Noah. <laughs> Noah. N-O-A-H. Noah. He was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. And he walked with God. Therefore, as a result of that, Noah did everything God told him to do. And see how that works for us. If we're that righteous person, blameless person, in a right relationship with him, then we're going to do this. We're going to do everything God commands us to do throughout the day. So he didn't do it because he's trying to get in a relationship with him. He's already there, and he's simply being obedient to what he called him to do. So let's look at this word behavior. Let's look at this word and see what it means as we go further. Behavior means our actions, things we do, activities we're involved in, things we uh, are doing about our life. It's our way of life. It's just it's not something we do on Sunday. It's not something we do on Monday or Tuesday. It's something we do every day. It's a way of life, our behavior, whatever our behavior is. It's the same every single day, isn't it? It's how we live. In other words, it's our conduct. I tried to go back and find some report cards from elementary school. Because when I was in elementary school, we got conduct grades. Now, I don't know if everybody still gets conduct grades today in school, uh, those that have children or those that are in school. Are conduct grades still... Don't even get a report card. Okay. Okay. All right, so y'all get conduct grades on Hunter's report card. Okay. And so went high school too. Okay, so JR too. All right, so when we were in school, we got just like grades, A, B, C, D, F. We got A, B, C, D, F on, on conduct grades. And so therefore, why, 
why would a teacher want you to have a conduct grade on a report card when you're there to learn math and English spelling and all that? Why not give grades on that? Why give a grade on conduct? What's the purpose in all that? So the parents will know how you're behaving at school. Are you behaving at school the same way you do at home? If not, then the conduct grade is going to show up. And the parents are going to look at that. Why are you getting a D in conduct? You know, what's your problem? You don't do that at home, do you? You know, or, or maybe it's the same at home. I still remember I went back. I was trying to find those report cards. Good, but it, it took me all the way back to my first grade. See, I skipped kindergarten. I don't know. It's testing back in those days, and I passed all the tests. And or maybe it's because I didn't have kindergarten back in that day. That's probably what it was. Okay, <laughs> didn't have kindergarten, so I went straight to the first grade. And so, first grade, Ruston Elementary, Mrs. Lewis was my first grade teacher. All right, great, great, great. And Mrs. Vining was my second grade teacher. And so, just all great teachers, Mrs. Green, third grade, Mrs. Norris. Barbara Norris that lives right past us on the hallway, uh, Mrs. Herbert in fifth grade, and Mrs. Sarah Campbell, sixth grade. And so just some great memories, but I went into the first grade, and and I think she thought I was a real special student and liked to call my name a lot. I mean, she would she was constantly calling my name throughout the day, Larry this, Larry that, and I, I just felt like she just loved my name, called my name, and so she would do that all the time throughout the day. And Mr. Rockhold was the principal. And so I spent a lot of time in his office. He liked me to come to his office. Uh, I think he just enjoyed me sitting in the room with him in his office while he worked, you know, and I'd sit in the chair there with him, and we'd go through an hour or so in the office with him, and then he'd let me go on back to class, and she'd call my name some more. So this went on throughout those first months of the season of the year. Well, about midterm, they say after Christmas, about midterm as we call it, for some reason, Mrs., uh, Lewis and Mr. Rocco thought that I was such a great and special student they wanted me to go to Hillcrest Elementary for the rest of the year so that I could bless them with my presence over there like I'd been blessing Ruston Elementary, Mrs. Lewis, Mr. Rocco. They wanted to share special students with another school and so I thought that was fine. That was wonderful. That was okay with me. And it went the same way over there. The teacher over there would call my name many times a day, and I'd spend a little time in the office, not quite as many times as I did with Mr. Rocco. I guess she didn't like me as much as Mr. Rocco did. And so, anyway, I spent the rest of the year there and went back to Ruston Elementary, second grade, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, then from the don't, uh, Ms. Vining. And so, anyway, conduct grades. That's why I wanted to find those report cards, because probably the conduct grades that I had may not have been an A, Every every semester. Uh, might have been a B in there somewhere, you know, I don't know, B for bad or, or something. But that's right. And so anyway, that's conduct, you see. Why do we act one way here and act another way here when behavior is always tied to being righteous, blameless, and walking with God in the spiritual sense? And so when God talks about behavior, when the Bible talks about behavior, it's what it is all the time. Who are we really? What is our character really like? What is our conduct saying about us, how we live, our way of life, our activities? So, see, good behavior, in spite of how good we may be, doesn't earn our salvation. 
We can be just as great, just as good. We can make A's on conduct no matter where we are, no matter where we go, and it still won't get us into heaven. We can't be good enough to get into heaven. We can't be pleasing enough to God to get into heaven. We can't say, God, didn't I do you good today? Didn't I do a good job for you today? And he might say, yes, you did, but you're still lost. You've never been saved. You've never been born again. And it's a good behavior, no matter how good it may be on our report card with God, it's still not going to get us into heaven, not earn us our salvation. But what happens is, once we're saved, once we're born again, then we practice good behavior. And therefore, that's evidence of our salvation. We can look at a person and say, they must be saved. Look at how they act. They must be saved. Look at how they live. They must be saved. Look at how they walk with God. They must be saved. Look at their righteous behavior. Look at their life in general. And all these things because it's showing us that we have a changed heart. We have a changed mind. We're a different person than we were before we were born again. So it was with me and probably with you too. We read some in Romans uh, before we were saved and led us to salvation that the wages of sin is death. We came to understand that, you know, as a lost person, not in the kingdom of God, because of my sins, that's going to lead to eternal death, separation from Christ, separation from God, but not earned it, but the gift of God. We don't earn this gift of salvation. We don't earn this gift of eternal life. It's a gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's only through Jesus, only through being born again, being saved, do we get eternal life. Ephesians 2.8, once again, says, For it is by grace, grace, God's compassionate kindness is grace. It's by God's compassionate kindness you've been saved through your faith, through your trusting him. Faith means I believe in him, I trust him. I rely on him. I depend on him. And therefore, I have this faith in him. And that's not from yourself. It's not what we do. It's not how we accomplish. It's not what we did to earn our salvation. It's simply by grace and our faith. It's a gift of God. God said, here's salvation. I give you salvation. I give you eternal life. We have to receive it. We have to repent from sin and turn to him to receive it. We have to live for him in faith, receiving the Holy Spirit, trusting him, obeying him, relying on him all the time. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So Noah couldn't boast, get the ark all built and stand back and say, what do you think, God? Did I do you a good job? Is that going to get me right with you? Am I going to miss the flood because I built the ark? And he says, no. <laughs> you were righteous before you built the ark. That's why I asked you to build the ark. And so it is with you and I. As we live a righteous life day in and day out, a blameless life day in and day out, God calls us and say, I got something over here just for you to do. I got something special for you to do right here. Would you do it for me? You're a righteous person. You're a holy person. You're living in a right relationship with me. We're already there in this relationship, close and tight. I've got something just for you, for nobody else, but just for you. And he calls us out and he calls us in and says, do this for me. Next week, through the end of the year, for the next 12, 13 weeks, starting next week, we're going to do a series called For Such a Time as This. And you've probably heard that verse here and there before, but it comes out of Esther. And we'll be looking at Esther next week. And then after that, there's people all through the Bible that God said, For such a time as this. Not using that very phrase, but God said, I've got something only you can do and I'm asking you to do it. And we're going to look at 12 different people throughout the Bible that God said because uh, we have a close relationship, because you're in 
where I need you to be. You're in the right place at the right time to do God's will. And so we want to look, start looking at that next week. And so that's where Noah was coming from. He was in the right place. He's the right person in the right place at the right time to do God's will. And that's going to be that thought from here through the end of the year. Are we that person? Are we the person, the right person, in the right place, at the right time, to do God's will? And sometimes we end up in that place not because we wanted to be there. Sometimes stuff gets dumped on us, so to speak. You know, we didn't expect that. There's probably days that you have things that you don't even expect, do you, that to happen. I mean, Tuesday morning, I'm sitting at my desk, minding my own business, probably making up these slides right here on PowerPoint, just going through them, and I get a phone call. And it's Douglas's phone, and it goes off, and, and, and hello, hello, there's nobody there. And you know how sometimes your phone will dial somebody accidentally, you know, it's in the pocket or something, and just put pressure on it, and it might have dialed the last person you dialed earlier. Well, I thought that's what happened. I couldn't hear him, and he, I guess, couldn't hear me, so I hung up. Well, the call's right back, and he's breathing kind of hard and, and just kind of, you know, talking fast, and he said, what are you, you at home? I said, yeah. He said, can you take me to the hospital? I said, yeah. <laughs> Why? He said, well, I just got snake bit, and so it was a copperhead. He saw the copperhead, it bit him, and so he gets, he got to the house within uh, 30 seconds probably from way over in the pasture, got in the hospital, you know, all that sort of thing. Well, you see, earlier in the morning, this was mid-morning by now, earlier in the morning, he had called about his mother-in-law, Miss Burgess, and she was having troubles, and he was asking Cheryl some questions. So we go down there to see about Miss Burgess. This is early, and so then this is later. And so you see how things happen in your life sometimes you don't expect? So... What I could have done, I guess, when he called and said, can you take me to the hospital? I could have said, no, I'm busy. You know? I could have said, I'm, I'm working on these PowerPoint presentations for Sunday. I ain't got time right now. If you'll just give it a little while, you know, just let's wait a couple hours till I get through, you know, about 11 o'clock, then I'll take you. Until then, just, you know, put your foot up, put some ice on it, and hope for the best. No, I didn't do that. He's still alive. I mean, he's still here, so it didn't do that. Took him. They took four vials of antivenom to put in him in order to take care of that. But see, it's not by works that we're saved. It's not by what we do that we're saved. It's by His grace. It's a gift. And then we turn from sin, turn to Him, we place our faith in Him, we walk with Him every day, not because we have to, not because we think we're better, but we think, I want to. Say, I want to changes. If nothing else changes about us when we get saved, it's our desires. It's what we want to do. We want to serve God. We want to be obedient to God. We want to please God. We want to work for Him. We want to serve Him. We want to be in the right place at the right time to do His will, whatever that may be, because we're living the kind of life that He would feel, he would feel comfortable asking us to do something just for Him because we're right the person in the right place at the right time. And so it was with Noah, but so it should be with us. And so our question becomes then, are we that example of good behavior? Do people notice this? Does God notice this? Do people see Jesus in us is another way to ask it. How is our behavior day in and day out, wherever we go, home, work, school, Walmart, whatever it may be, how, are our, how is our example? 
So let's go to 3 John, not the Gospel of John, not 1 John, not 2 John, but 3 John. John wrote three epistles, letters, uh, called 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 3 John is very short. It's only got one chapter. And he's writing to the church, and he talks to a man by the name of Gaius. Uh, it says in verse 1, The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Guys, you're always standing for the truth. You're always living by the truth. You're always supporting the truth. And I love you in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. It's a good prayer. And that all may go well with you. Great. Even as your soul is getting along well. Even as you're living your life out well, I'm just going to keep praying that you have good health, that things go well for you because you're doing good, you're serving, your soul is doing well. And I'm just thankful for that. And then he says, Gaius, it gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. Gaius, there's some men who came to see me one day, and they came from your church there where you are, and they were just talking about your faithfulness. They were saying, well, that Gaius is so faithful to serve. That Gaius is so faithful to do what God wants him to do. That Gaius is always uh, doing what pleases God. And, you know, they were talking about him and, they were telling about your faithfulness to the truth, that you're always standing up for the truth and walking in the truth and living by the truth. And, well, it's just a great thing to have these guys come see me about that very fact, Gaius. And so I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. He refers to other Christians as the term children. Uh, we're God's children. And so he said, it just brings me great joy that when I get people to come by and see me, and they tell me about people like you, like Gaius, that you're walking in the truth. He said, that just gives me great joy to hear about that, just as it does with us too, don't we? Uh, you know, as we hear about somebody over here or somewhere else, I hear about them walking in the truth. It gives us great joy, doesn't it? So it goes on to say, dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. So people were coming through the area there where Gaius lived, and they were being served by guys, being welcomed by guys. They were strangers to him, but he was faithful to serve God by welcoming them and helping them. He said, they have told the church about your love. They're just telling people wherever they go, other brothers and sisters in the churches, wherever they're going, about your love, Gaius. You will do well to send them on their way in, the manner, in a manner worthy of God. Just keep doing what you're doing. When they come passing through and you're helping them, just keep helping them and sending, sending them on their way in a manner, manner worthy of God. So it's for the sake of the name, capital N, Jesus' name, that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. It wasn't the world helping these strangers. It was you, Gaius. They didn't get help from the pagan world, from the lost world. They got help from you, the name, Jesus. So we ought to therefore show hospitality to such men so they may work together for the truth. Just keep doing it. Just keep being hospitable to them, welcoming, opening your room, your house to them, feeding them, doing whatever it is. They need a night to stay there. You're doing the work already. Then he says in verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, and you say, how do you know how to say that name? Because see, on my computer program, my Bible program, I can press a button when I don't know how to pronounce a name, and it'll pronounce the name for me the way it's supposed to be pronounced. So I listened to that 12, maybe 15 times because I wanted to say D-I, die, 
but it kept listening. Day, D-E, D, short E, Diotrephes, Diotrephes. So Diotrephes, I want to make sure I get his name right because he's got to talk about him now. But Diotrephes, who loves to be first. Haven't you ever seen people like that? They've got to be first in everything. First in line. You mind if I step up? You mind if I get in front of you? Or they don't even say it. They just get running up there. Have you seen people break up in line and just get in front of you? You know, or, or in the traffic? How about traffic? Come out, somebody coming out in traffic. Boy, they got to be first. They got to be line getting out there. They're going to squeeze their way in. You better lock up the brakes. You're going to run over them. Some people just love to be first. Well, this Diotrephes love to be first. We'll have nothing to do with us. Talking about John. Diotrephes in the church, there where Gaius was, loves to be first, but he doesn't even have anything to do with us. Talking about John and his friends. Doesn't like us. Doesn't want to be around us. Doesn't have anything to do with us. So if I come, talking about where Gaius was and Diotrephes is, I will call attention to what he's doing. I'm going to point him out. I'm going to call him out. He's gossiping maliciously about us. You know, he's, they're talking about, he's talking about John and things maybe John should be doing or ought to be doing or better be doing or, or shouldn't be doing or, you know, better stop or, you know, whatever. And he's just talking to the church there about John and his friends. Well, not satisfied with that, not that that's enough. He refuses to welcome the brothers. Like he was talking about Gaius a while ago, how you welcome all these brothers when they come through and you feed them, take care of them and all that. And they're talking about you. He doesn't want to welcome these people when they come through. He also stops those who do so. He's telling people within the church, don't be taking care of them. Don't, don't do anything for them. They, they don't deserve it. I don't know why you even bother with them, you know, or something like that. And he puts them out of the church. He puts the people helping the people out of the church. If you don't quit helping people when they come in, I, you, I'm going to get rid of you. You know, and, and so they say, well, you just have to get rid of me then. I'm, I'm going to keep helping. Archer done, out. And so he's putting people out of the church. And so here's, you see the difference in all these people. We've got Noah, not Moses. <laughs> We've got Noah and Gaius and Diotrephes. All three showing an example. All three showing their conduct. All three showing their walk with God, their ways with God, and all three saying something different. You know, there's Noah, man walked with God, righteous man, holy man. God said, I got a special thing for you to do, Noah. And there's Gaius. God said, Gaius, you walk with me, you talk with me every day. I got a special thing for you to, to do, Gaius, help people and all that. And then there's Diotrephes in the church. But notice the difference in his life. He loves to be first. Servants of God don't love to be first. Servants of God love to take a step back, be humble, and do what God wants them to do, and just let things happen as they happen because God gets the glory. And Diotrephes didn't want to have anything to do with God, uh, John. He was talking about John. He's uh, refusing to help people. He stops people that do help people, and he even puts those people to help people out of the church. Do you see the example that we can live sometimes? Here's a man named Diotrephes. We know nothing about him other than this right here. Don't know where it went from here. Don't know how it ended. Don't know how long this went on with him like this. Then we have Noah. And then we have Gaius. See, in John chapter 13, 
on the night Jesus was arrested, he gathered his disciples and took them in the upper room. And they had what we call the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, what they call the Passover meal. And during the Passover meal, Jesus got down on hands and knees, got some water, got a towel, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he was just showing them an example of love, showing them an example of being a servant, that even Jesus, the Son of God, that was about to be arrested, about to be crucified for our sins, was a servant. And he said, I don't want to stand out as being first. I want to stand out as being last, being humble. And he said, here's what a servant does. And so he's washing the feet and he's teaching them a lesson. He says, now that I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. See, sometimes we feel like that's beneath me. There's certain things I'll do for God, but there's some things I, no, I wouldn't do that. There's certain things I'll let God use me in, but there's certain things, mm, I wouldn't do that. And so where are we in that relationship with him that God is always open to say, I can use you right over here because he knows our relationship with him. He knows our attitude with him. He knows our righteous walk. He knows our way of law. He knows our conduct, in other words. He knows we got a big A in conduct with him because we're always available. Always seeking, always looking, always asking God, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm your servant, God. Just you, you call on me, I'll be obedient to you. Not because I have to, but because, because I want to. I just want to serve you. I just want to be obedient to you. And Jesus showing that we should wash one another's feet. He said, I've set you an example. You've looked at my conduct. You've looked at my character. And you see me, Jesus, son of God, about to be crucified just in a few hours that I'm willing to get down on my knees and wash men's dirty feet. Now, he may not ask us and call us to wash men's feet. It may not be something like that. But it may be something that we didn't think we would do. We didn't think we were called to do. We didn't think that's something God would want me to do. But he just got through asking me to do it. And we do it, not because we have to, but we want to. We have an example that he set for us of how we're to live, an example that pleases him and pleases others. And so as we live out our day, day by day, we're just walking with him, serving wherever we go. And so that all begins with salvation. When we're saved, we become that servant. We become that obedient servant. We become that Noah. We become that Gaius. And we say, Lord, what's next? What do you want me to do now? Where do you want me to serve today? And we just walk with him through the day, looking and seeing, oh, over here, okay. Oh, over here, all right. And we become obedient, not because we have to, but we want to. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What's Jesus done for us? Died on the sin, died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He sacrificed himself for us, and he calls us to do the same thing sacrifice ourselves for him in a day-to-day walk with him. Are we there today or do we need to get there?